is Ian Hartley. I'm Warren Kay. And I am Sasha Steenbergen. Welcome to the Rediscovering God podcast. We invite you to join us as we endeavor to see him more clearly, love him more dearly, and follow him more nearly. find the PDF document that we're following today on our website, rediscoveringgod.ca, where the recordings, the PDFs, the podcasts are all listed there. You can share that website with your friends and they can follow along. We'd also really love to invite you to the Monday night Zoom discussion where we all gather in fellowship with each other, all us listeners of the podcast where we can come with our questions, comments, thoughts, um, resources. It's a wonderful time of encouragement where um, we get to affirm each other and encourage each other. Um, so that's a Monday nights at 7.30 Mountain Time. And just type in 403-506-9201. And we'd love to have you there. As we begin our podcast tonight, just welcome to everybody to the Rediscovering God podcast, and uh, we look forward to seeing you on YouTube. We have expanded from a regular podcast to YouTube, so search for us on YouTube under our names, Ian Hartley, Sasha Steenberg, and Warren Kay. That should find us quite readily, or Rediscovering God, uh, and uh, that way you can see us. We still can't see you, but you'll be able to see us. However, if you join us Monday night, then we would be able to see you. Uh, Sasha, when would they join us? That would be 7.30 Mountain Standard Time on Monday evenings. And as my daughter said today, she looks forward to it all week long. It's her top favorite thing uh, in the whole week. Yeah. Great. So 403-506-9201 will get you into the room, and we would be glad to have you join us. So today, Ian, as we continue on our journey to understand God the way Jesus knew him, uh, what is our topic for tonight? So the topic for today um, comes from Revelation 14, verse 6. Um, Warren, if you can read that. For us, Revelation 14, 6. And I saw another angel flying through the sky, carrying the eternal good news to proclaim to the people who belong to this world, to every nation, tribe, language, and people. So it's that uh, eternal good news or everlasting gospel um, that is intriguing. This is the only verse in the Bible which has the adjective everlasting or eternal uh, attached to it. And uh, we've thought about what this might mean. And so we want to share that uh, with our listeners or watchers. All right. Yeah. It's something that uh, I haven't thought too much about because we usually just think of the gospel as Jesus proclaimed it when he was on this earth. But if it was eternal or everlasting, then it has been there from forever. Mm -hmm. And that's an interesting concept to explore, which you're going to lead us into several different pictures of that. So that's great. 
So we do, we're talking about the different epochs, um, like uh, what was the good news or the gospel that the Trinity had for each other? Uh, this mm. is before they created anything. It's just the three of them. So what good news do they have for each other? And uh, here's the suggestion. I love you. You are insightful and creative. I can't imagine existing without you. Sounds a bit romantic, doesn't it? <laughs> Definitely gives me goosebumps. So <laughs> I used to absolutely reject anything romantic in terms of religion. I would not even sing, I come to the garden alone. And he walks <laughs> with me and he talks with me. Um, you know, and, and that uh, song is in Walt's tempo. Uh, yeah, so true enough. Yeah. If, you, if you've ever danced, you know, you're right on the dance floor. And uh, so I think I had good reason, you know, in my ignorance or not liking that, uh, that hymn. Mm -hmm. So there are really few recorded interactions between the members of the Trinity. We know when Jesus was on earth that he spent hours in prayer, but we know very little about that interaction apart from what Jesus told us. Mm -hmm. um, we have the fruit of the spirit, which sort of indicates the environment that the spirit and God and the father and Jesus would create for each other. Uh, love, joy, peace, patience, and, and so on, nine different qualities there. Um, <clears throat> so here's some things we can think about. First of all, creation was a team activity. Sasha, you want to read Genesis 1 from verse 26? Then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. So they there, I just want to stop there. Excuse me being mm -hmm. so rude. But the... The operative statement is, let us make. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, that's how babies come about. Let us make <laughs> baby. Yeah, true. <laughs> okay. Um, so for me, this is a very team thing. Mm -hmm. uh, verse 27, if uh, Sasha, you're reading there. Mm -hmm. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Mm -hmm. So I what do you guys think about when you read that or hear it read? Male and female, he created them in his own image. Yeah, that's, that's very interesting. I hadn't really thought much about that. In his image, is that in God's image? Is that in the image of the three? That's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, um, I'm not sure. It's interesting now, you see, you, you can go different ways on this. You can say that each one of the Trinity encompassed male and female, or you can say they have different roles, like we have male and female uh, that are complementary, they generate a partnership, um, and so I does the Trinity have three genders? Uh, <laughs> you know, you can really go on with this for a while. That, I think that the important thing for me here is that there's this idea of a very intimate partnership between Father, Son, and Spirit. Mm -hmm. I love the way that the author of the shack portrayed the Holy Spirit as a, a female uh -huh. gender. That was right. really cool. Yeah. Yeah. And well, and I was just even thinking too, when you were talking about the fruit of the spirit um, as being an insight as to the kind of um, sort of culture or uh, experience that the Trinity were living in. And I'm just thinking about some of those fruits of the spirit have also in, in uh, first readings, very feminine qualities to them. Um, and so I was just thinking about the gentleness uh, you know, and the, the peace and the love and, and 
you know, words like nurturing sort of come to mind. So I really like how you're framing this uh, picture. You, you are implying that I'm framing it in a gender focused, uh, female gender focused way. And uh, thank you for that compliment. You must be <laughs> the first person who's ever said that to me. <laughs> well, I just love how inclusive uh, it's feeling. Yeah, good. Uh, read verse 31 for us in Genesis chapter one, please. Then God looked over all he had made, and he saw that it was very good. And evening passed and morning came, marking the sixth day. So when God looks at, uh, yeah, I know he made the animals and human beings, but I think he's focusing on an egocentric statement. I think he's focusing <laughs> on human beings when he says very good. You know, the other days yeah. were just good. Yeah. But the sixth day is very good. Well, and, and, and added to that, he's just made Eve. Uh, true, true. She's, she's the pinnacle of the whole creation event. <laughs> and she was very good. Amen. Well, um, looks like I'm losing out tonight. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, um, during the separation of Jesus and the Father, when he was here on earth, um, this must have been traumatic uh, mm -hmm. for both of them. Um, you know, when you separated from somebody who's very near and dear to you, uh, that causes some trauma. And we have a few instances of when um, God spoke uh, publicly to Jesus. And uh, they are very, what shall I say, they they intimate, uh, sort of an intimate dialogue going on here for our benefit. Warren, do you want to read Matthew 3, 17? And a voice from heaven said, you are my dearly loved son, and you bring me great joy. Mm. So how about that? Isn't that wonderful? Yeah. yeah. Somebody said that to you, mm. Aaron? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this message is uh, described in both Mark and Luke. Uh, and then we have in Matthew 17, uh, Sasha, if you can read that, please, verse 5 to 6. But even as he spoke, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my dearly loved son, who brings me great joy. Listen to him. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The next verse says the disciples were terrified and fell face down on the ground, which is kind of interesting to me that uh, maybe it was the force of this intimacy between uh, Jesus and God, or maybe they would just have this tradition of, you don't smarten up, I'll give you something to smarten you up. <laughs> and we have one occasion when Jesus spoke to the Father, and the Father responded. And that is in John 12, verse 26 to, to 30. Warren, if you can read that, please. Now my soul is deeply troubled. Should I pray, Father, save me from this hour? But this is the very reason I came. Father, bring glory to your name. Then a voice spoke from heaven saying, I have already brought glory to my name and I will do so again. When the crowd heard the voice, some thought it was thunder, while others declared an angel had spoken to him. Then Jesus told them the voice was for your benefit, not mine. Yeah, I, I'm just interested that this is a recorded instance of interaction between father and son. True. No, sometimes Jesus prays and we have no direct evidence that God reacted. I'm sure he did. But in this case, we actually have the evidence. Warren. Well, I, I can't help but think 
that for Jesus to spend all night in prayer, it was not a one-sided conversation. Right. Nobody stays up all night just like I would pray, you know, talking to someone that wasn't responding. But I'm sure that there was a dialogue happening among the three of them at those times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's quite an image, actually, to think about, um, you know, because there were other times where Jesus went and and prayed uh, after he had talked to the crowds and that kind of stuff. But um, just envisioning, you know, my prayers and thinking about how I feel like there's so much silence on the other side of it, even when I am quiet and wait. Um, but for him, I just feel like you're right. It would have been back and forth. And I can only just imagine. So thank you, Sasha. Warren. In the Lord's Prayer, uh, Jesus spends the first half of the prayer praying for God. Now, I know he's praying to God. But if you listen to the first half, uh, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. In modern English, may your character be admired. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is praying for God. It's like he has insight into the father's heart and he's praying for the concerns on the father's heart. Yeah. 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 That's great. Yeah, I like that. So another point, Jesus claims that he and his father are congruent in every way. That word congruent, actually it's popularized by mathematics. If you have two congruent triangles, it means they're the same size, they have the same angles, they're the same color, they weigh the same, they're the same in every possible way. You can have similar triangles uh, with the same angles, but they're not the same size. Only thing is the angles correspond. So when we use the word congruent, we mean that Jesus and God are identical in every way so that's what jesus refers to in john 14 verse 9 he says if you have seen me you have seen the father that is a statement that was really hard for the disciples to grasp Mm -hmm. and even for many today uh, there was a time when i wondered about that like how could that be and as we've noted in previous podcasts, the picture of God in the Old Testament was so different than the picture that the way that Jesus was. And yet Mm -hmm. here he's saying, no, we are congruent. If you've seen me, it's as good as seeing the Father. Amazing. Yeah. -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we need to read Hebrews 1 verse 3. Um, We've read this uh, many times, but, uh, you know, some things just bear repeating. Uh, Sasha, can you read Hebrews 1 verse 3, please? Mm -hmm. The sun radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God. And he sustains everything by the mighty power of his command. When he had cleansed us from our sin, he sat down in the place of honor at the right hand of the majestic God in heaven. Yeah, just that first part. Mm -hmm. The sun is what? Radiates God's own glory. And expresses the very character of God. Yeah. Radiates the the Father's glory and expresses the The character character of God. God. Stunning. You know, Jesus and the Holy Spirit have an interesting relationship. It's like uh, it's pilot and co-pilot in an aircraft. And they both have equal experience and equal hours and so on. They, they can hand off to each other, just no problem. Mm-hmm. So Jesus will say, now look, I'm going away, but I'll send you another comforter. Another, meaning one just like me. Mm-hmm. And he's going to treat you the same way I've treated you. Mm-hmm. He care for you the same way I've cared for you. I like this equivalence. Uh, that I see being uh, displayed here in this kind of uh, dialogue. So Mm -hmm. Jesus experienced abandonment 
by the Father for the first time in all eternity on the cross. And it's this intimate conversation, uh, this authentic conversation that goes on. Um, why have you forsaken me? He says. Mm -hmm. Now, God didn't abandon him. 2 Corinthians 5 makes that very clear. But Jesus had taken on human emotions and uh, he, he felt abandoned by God. Yeah, that's really important, I think, to make that distinction as you have, because Jesus knew that his father was with him all the way. But for some reason, he felt abandoned. He felt the distance. He felt mm -hmm. forsaken. But God was there present with him, I'm sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Jesus has this implicit trust in his father. He trusts his father more than he trusts himself. On the cross, he finally ends up saying, into your hands, I commit my spirit. Yeah. I can't take care of my spirit at this point in time. I know you will. So the last point that we're making for this first epoch uh, the relationship between the members of the Trinity is the resurrection. Because you can read that the Father raised him, uh, Jesus raised himself, and the Spirit raised him. They're all there in the scripture. Like they, they, their ministry to each other is so intertwined that you can say either one of them did it. Yeah, that's fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so maybe we should just read this. Galatians 1, verse 1, uh, Warren. And then Sasha, if you can read uh, John 2, verse 19. Galatians 1, verse 1. This is from Paul. This letter is from Paul, an apostle. I was not appointed by any group of people or any human authority, but by Jesus Christ himself and by God the Father who raised Jesus from the dead. Okay, very clearly, God raised Jesus from yes. God the Father raised Jesus from the dead. Mm -hmm. Okay, Sasha, you've got John 2.19. All right, Jesus replied, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. Okay, and then Warren, uh, 1 Peter 3.18. Christ suffered for our sins once for all time. He never sinned, but he died for sinners to bring you home safely to God. He suffered physical death, but he was raised to life in the spirit. Okay. It's your translation says in the spirit. Other translations say by the spirit. Yes. So, yeah, uh, we've, we've just uh, given evidence for the claim that all three of them worked together on this resurrection of Jesus. Mm -hmm. You can give the credit to either one of the three. Okay, so we finished Epoch 1, uh, the relationship between the Trinity uh, before uh, they'd created anything. And it's true, we've used evidence from the interactions with or uh, in the presence of created beings. Let's go now to Epoch 2. What was the gospel, the good news for angels? Uh, before any angels sinned. So here's the suggestion. I love you, God speaking to the angels. I made you to love you and to serve you. I can't imagine being without you now. Ever said that to your kids? I don't think I have, but that's certainly very true. Yeah. Well, it's time to tell them. Yeah. <laughs> And I think it is reflected in their loyalty to him in wanting to serve him back and love him. Mm -hmm. uh, the angels worship him. Revelation gives these beautiful uh, pictures of, of times of worship where millions of angels are there worshiping mm -hmm. him. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So there's only one scripture, thanks, Warren, that speaks to the relationship. Um, before sin, at least before Adam and Eve sinned, and that's found in Job 38, verse 6 to 7, uh, 
what supports the earth's foundations and who laid its cornerstone as the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy. Sounds like a, a very joyful, happy mm. time, doesn't it? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, but then, you know, uh, the angels are messengers of the gospel to sinners. Uh, let's just rehearse a few of these incidents. Gabriel comes and tells Mary that she's going to conceive baby Jesus. And a very scary bit of news becomes very joyful as Gabriel explains what's going to happen to her. Mm -hmm. And then I, we got to read this, even though it isn't Christmas. Uh, angels appear to shepherds. Now, the shepherds were the untouchables in Israel. Um, you know, they were uh, defiled by the sheep. And uh, so for the angels to come and give this good news to the shepherds is truly significant. And uh, Sasha, read Luke 2, 13 and 14, please. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. Isn't it amazing? Uh, I'm, I'm sorry we reserved this for reading at Christmas. <laughs> it's such an amazing message that the angels bring to these shepherds. Just read it for me again. Please humor me. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. Mm. So this is indicative of a wonderful relationship between the angels and God, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. The yeah. way they talk about him. Yeah. yeah. An angel cares for each of the seven churches in Revelation 2 and 3. In Daniel 7, we have another record of millions and millions of angels at the court scene there um, and they're there to defend God and each one of us has a guardian angel from the Old Testament Psalm 34 verse 7 Warren if you can read that and from the New Testament Sasha Matthew 18 10 mm -hmm. for the angel of the Lord is a guard he surrounds and defends all who fear him thank you Matthew 18.10. Beware that you don't look down on any of these little ones. For I tell you that in heaven, their angels are always in the presence of my heavenly father. Mm -hmm. mm. Thank you. I want to remind you that an angel told the woman that came to the tomb that Jesus was risen. And they did that with great gusto. They were so happy about that. And when the angels bring the gospel to sinners, uh, I think they confirm it for themselves. What do you think? Mm -hmm. Yes, I agree. So we've now done Epoch 1 and 2. So Epoch 3 is for Adam and Eve before sin. What would have been the gospel that God gave to them after he created them. Like what would, he say, what would he have said to them? He has the suggestion. I love you. You guys are insightful and creative. I can't imagine existing without you now. I made you to love you and to serve you. I made the world for you to enjoy and bring joy to the animals and your children. It is so insightful to think of this in terms of a message to them before they had sinned. Mm -hmm. Because usually we think of the gospel as God's answer to sin. Right. And the sin problem. And yet this was always there. It's such a beautiful picture. I love it. 
So the dominion they were giving over the animals uh, was to bring joy and happiness to the animals. And I see hints of this in horse whisperers, mm. elephant mahouts, uh, dog trainers, shepherds. They all seem to worship, uh, sorry, they all seem to witness to this idea that this giving of dominion um, to Adam and Eva, the animals, were so that they could bring joy and happiness to the animals. Mm -hmm. Because the people I've mentioned, you know, they interact with these animals, and these animals become very attached to them, and they to the animals. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the whole idea that God created the Garden of Eden, just like parents decorate a nursery for a newborn baby that's coming, mm -hmm. and, and God put so much thought into that, that garden that he made for them as a special place for them to inhabit. It certainly reflects God's um, excitement about what he was going to create, about who he was going to create, and about how special they were to him. Yeah. I love that yeah. image, Warren. That's so cool. And, you know, your, Warren, your children have grown up. I hope they're friends, you know, um, and uh, Sasha, your children will grow up. Um, mm -hmm. Our children are in their mid-50s, mm -hmm. and it's no longer a parent-child relationship, but it's a, mm -hmm. a friendship of, of professional adults, mm -hmm. uh, which is different. Yeah. It's, a, it's a great transition to make, for sure. Yeah, love it. So God wanted to be their friend um, mm -hmm. more than he wanted to be recognized as their creator. I know that because he came to visit them uh, right. every evening. Mm -hmm. Okay. The ability to procreate and the pleasure of sex indicated the pleasure the Trinity have in each other. Wow. Well, I feel like you're coming a long way from uh, walking in the garden alone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. I love <laughs> Thank it. Thank you. Thank you for that encouragement. <laughs> That's great. Um, so let's look at Epoch 4. That was Epoch 3 for Adam and Eve, the gospel for them before sin. Now, what's the gospel for sinners? Well, what we've uh, imagined so far is still true. God can say to every sinner, I love you. I can't imagine existing without you now. I made you to love you and to serve you. I made the world for you to enjoy. Now, here comes the addition. I have compassion for your suffering because of sin. I have no condemnation for you. I'm going to heal you. Unless you prevent me, you will be with me in indescribable happiness forever if you do not refuse me. Amen. Wow. Beautiful. The problem is only picking a few scriptures to support this. <laughs> <laughs> Let's take a few from the Old Testament. Um, Zephaniah, um, Sasha. Sure. For the Lord your God is living among you. He is a mighty savior. He will take delight in you with gladness. With his love, he will calm all your fears. He will rejoice over you with joyful songs. Oh, wow. I feel like I need to write that one down on my heart. That's Zephaniah 317. And it's the passage which proves that God is Italian. <laughs> and like breaks into song yeah yeah, yeah. Like you're at the opera and you've got this tenor yeah just can't help himself you know <laughs> exactly um ian i just feel like i'm i'm one of those people who are slow and I, things are just trickling in uh if i may just um back up just a tiny minute uh, back to the end of Epoch 3, when, um, you know, we were talking about where you were saying that he came to visit them. 
in the garden every day. And I just had this image when you were reading um, the initial um, statement where he was talking about, I love you. And I think that you are insightful and creative. And I just was thinking about that with that idea, it was like the vision of implanting tapes in their hearts of who they were. It was like he was creating in them the identity that they were to have. And just the thought of the loss of the identity and the joy he had over them, like in creating them and how you talked about that he even created the ability for them to create and to have, um, you know, in the end, you were talking about the pleasure of, of creating and having sex. And I was just thinking about how incredibly creative and, and boundless. And, and the verse that came to mind was um, where he was talking about, I came to give you life and life more abundant. And this picture just, I don't know, it's like this blossoming vision of what it must be like to have the tapes without the narrative that I am what Satan has sort of implanted in my mind and what it must be like. So that is just hitting me in shockwaves. And I'm just so loving that <laughs> right now. But anyways, thank you. Yeah. And you know, you have the privilege of uh, <clears throat> creating these tapes in your beautiful daughters. You know, I love you. You're yeah. so creative and artistic. Yeah. Uh, you know, take yeah. each one of them aside and tell them. That's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Powerful. It's good. Don't hesitate to go back. I'm a slow thinker too. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm getting excited about Zephaniah now. So I'm back with you here. Okay. All right. Warren, um, you're going to read Hosea 6.6 for us. I want you, I want you to show love, not sacrifices. I want you to know me more than I want burnt offerings. I want you to know me more than I want burnt offerings. Yeah, that's powerful. Hosea 11, 8 to 9. Um, Sasha? Oh, how can I give you up, Israel? How can I let you go? How can I destroy you like Abna or demolish you like Zeboim? My heart is torn within me and my compassion overflows. No, I will not unleash my fierce anger. I will not completely destroy Israel, for I am God and not a mere mortal. I am the Holy One living among you, and I will not come to destroy. Ian, can you help me <laughs> a little bit um, with some of that wording that seems very problematic um, about almost the assumption there that there was potentially fierce anger to unleash, uh, that he's choosing not to? Okay, this is uh, the prophet Hosea, and he's talking out of his own experience. Mm. And so um, he's interpreting God in terms of himself. And we Mm. can't fault people for doing this because that's all we've got. Mm -hmm. You know, um, he didn't have Jesus to reinterpret God for him. Mm -hmm. Uh, Jesus is the only eyewitness of God Mm -hmm. Hosea never saw God he's he's doing the best he can with what he's got and uh, he he does come through with uh, the amazing positive spin on it Mm -hmm. and I use spin uh, in a positive sense Uh, I'm not going to completely destroy Israel well, Israel's going to be carried away into captivity, but God's going to bring them back. And it's not God taking them into captivity. It's the Babylonians mm-hmm. or the Assyrians, to be more accurate. I'm the Holy One living among you. I will not come to destroy. Mm-hmm. God never destroys. You know, there are consequences which destroy us. Yeah. Fortunately, in the Old Testament, the word consequence Uh, is never written down. I'm Mm -hmm. not sure whether they didn't have the concept 
but their world revolved around blessings and curses. Right. And it was all God's doing. And they, they could almost completely absolve themselves of responsibility right. for the outcomes. Mm -hmm. Thanks. That is a good affirmation. I thought you were going to ask me about Admon's appointment. Well, I should be because I'm just yeah, reading that, it like as if I know what this is. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the, the, these were cities of the plain uh, south of the Dead Sea, southeast, and the two famous ones were Sodom and Gomorrah. Mm -hmm. And then when Lot left uh, Sodom, he went to one of these or another small city for refuge. And uh, so they were also eventually destroyed. That's mm. at Mons of Wayne. Uh, okay. Just trivial information. Warren, you're a great romantic. Read mm. to us Song of Solomon. 2 verse 10. My lover said to me, rise up, my darling. Come away with me, my fair one. I don't know if you know this, but this is the genesis for fairy tales. The sleeping princess, mm -hmm. and the prince comes along and kisses her awake. Mm -hmm. There's another passage, Warren, 4 verse 9 to 10. You have captured my heart, my treasure, my bride. You hold it hostage with one glance of your eyes, with a single jewel of your necklace. Your love delights me, my treasure, my bride. Your love is better than wine, your perfume more fragrant than spices. This, this is so beautiful because we have this idea that uh, I need to be captivated by God. But I see this as God saying, I'm captivated with you. Just mm -hmm. a glance of your eyes, just a, you know, a single jewel of your necklace leaves me speechless with my heart fluttering just like a lover. Mm. Uh, and, and so it, I, I love to read this as if God is speaking this to me individually. Mm. Beautiful. Because we, we have a parallel in our own lives. You know, a little baby, we're always looking for the first smile. Uh, mm -hmm. We dress them up with bows and ribbons and take pictures of them and want to show them to everybody in the world and gush about them mm -hmm. but then we we have two daughters you know when they were getting married and i saw them in all their finery uh you know my heart skipped a beat this is my own daughter mm -hmm. isn't she beautiful yeah yeah so i think we get that from god you know mm. and i like that emphasis uh, we're always telling each other uh, that we need to love God. Mm -hmm. and, uh, but we seldom tell each other that when God looks at you, his heart skips a beat too. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, and really our love is simply a response to his love. Mm -hmm. when, when, Revelation, when Revelation talks about you've lost your first love, our first love is the fact that he loves us. Yeah. And when we lose our awareness of that, it's hard to respond with much. But when we, when we realize that, then our response is a, just a natural response of love. Hmm. Yeah. Good one. I like that. Good one. Yeah. So here's the New Testament witness. So we have to start off with the best, um, the story that Jesus told. Uh, the so-called prodigal son. Sasha, you want to read that? Luke 15, 20 to 24. So he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servants, quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf we have been fattening. 
we must celebrate with a feast for this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. So Jesus crafted this story. He's trying to tell us about the heavenly father. And the heavenly father has some sons who rebel and go away and squander everything he's given them. And other sons remain at home and become arrogant and calloused and live without hearts. And Jesus wants to scoop them all up and bring them back to the father. Mm -hmm. That's a great image. What an amazing picture. Mm -hmm. It is. It is. John 3, 16 and 17. Warren. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. Mm -hmm. That second part, that verse yeah. 17, God sent not his son into the world to judge or condemn the world, but to save or heal the world. Yeah. You know, if, if you have a body shop, you fix uh, vehicles. When a vehicle comes in that's been in an accident, your interest is not... Why was there an accident? Who got hurt? Your interest is, what do I need to do to restore this car? Do mm -hmm. I need to replace? Do I need to fix? Uh, do I need to put it on the framing machine? Uh, and so on. You, know, you have no interest in what caused the accident or who was hurt. Mm -hmm. you, your interest is to repair it. Uh, mm -hmm. And that, for me, is a very graphic picture of God. He's not interested in how we got into sin and what we did. And mm -hmm. He's into the healing. Yeah, he's not right. into fault finding. That's his yeah. focus. Yeah, mm -hmm. beautiful. Sasha, John 13, 34. So now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. You know, I see people passing this off. Oh, this is a repetition of Moses. Moses said, you must love your neighbor as you love yourself. So there are two differences here. First of all, when Jesus says you must love, he's including enemies. Moses was about destroying the enemies, mm -hmm. not about right. loving them. Mm -hmm. And Jesus gave, uh, oh, this one really gets me. Jesus gave up his life rather than prove he was innocent right. of the accusations. He's living out what he's talking about. Mm -hmm. There's, uh, when one grasps the love Jesus had for sinners, his enemies, for Caiaphas, for Judas, for Pilate, there's no comparison with the love suggested by the Ten Commandments. Like the Ten Commandments are a start. It's better to have the Ten Commandments than anarchy. Mm -hmm. But in comparison with Jesus, the Ten Commandments... Uh, <laughs> Well, it's like having a very basic car compared to a Ferrari. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the love of God transcends anything written about love. God's love defies description because we can never plumb its depths. There is no end to it. Mm. Yeah. It will always be beyond the best laws written on stone or parchment or hard drives. Mm. And God had to come in Jesus to live among us, to give us a glimpse of this love. There was no other way. Mm -hmm. And one other point, the standard of loving other people as you love yourself, which is what Moses gave, 
is flawed from the very beginning because many of us, if not all of us, do not love ourselves. Right. So if you don't love yourself, you can't love other people. I think the psalmist, isn't it, that tried to explain this by comparing it to the sands on the seashore, which mm. are innumerable. And, and that's the extent of God's love for us. I mean, they just, mm -hmm. Bible writers struggled to find a comparison because there is nothing to compare it with. Yeah. And, you know, it's actually very hard to define love. And yeah, I've got a working definition of love when you know the worst about somebody, but mm. you think, say, and do the best for them. Um, mm -hmm. But that doesn't quite encompass it. You know, yeah, it's a good start. But when you've been loved by somebody, um, that's a whole other dimension. When you, you just experience that safety and that warmth and that affection for you. So there's, there's lots of verses we can read. Um, but how about Romans 5 verse 18? Romans 5, 18. I've lost my place with you guys. Who is it? Go ahead, Sasha. Yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone. But Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and new life for everyone. Okay, so this is how this verse is normally read. Um, yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation from God for everyone. Like people really believe that God condemns them. Mm -hmm. When condemnation is coming from themselves, it's coming from other people, and definitely from the devil. Yeah. And in Genesis 3, the description of what happened is so abbreviated. It does not contain what the serpent said to Eve and Adam after they'd sinned. Mm -hmm. And I can guarantee uh, he said things like, huh, I told you, this is how you're going to feel. God's out to get you. You're in deep trouble now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So God says to uh, Adam, he says, who told you you were naked? Mm -hmm. The serpent told him. Mm. Yeah. The serpent is the accuser of humankind. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Jesus is the savior, which includes the lover of humankind. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we're 1 Timothy 2, verse 4. Um, Sasha? Who, um, speaking of God, wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. Yes, God wants to save everyone. Mm -hmm. 1 John 4, 10 and 19, Warren? This is real love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. We love each other because he first loved us. Thank you. Mm. We love because he loved us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sasha, 1 John 3, verse 2. Dear friends, we are already God's children, but he has not yet shown us what we will be like when Christ appears. But we know that we will be like him, for we will see him as he really is. Uh, I see you guys, you know, once or twice a week on Zoom. But I have never seen you as God intended for you to be. Mm. That will only become visible at the second coming. Mm. Yeah. And even giving me a picture of what you looked like when you were 20, well, it might help me a little bit. But... <laughs> You're going to be very different. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm looking forward to it. Arnold Schwarzenegger, watch out. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so Charles Wesley, who was a real legalist and then fell in love with Jesus, mm -hmm. um, wrote amazing hymns. And here's one of them. 
love divine, all loves excelling. Mm. This was written almost 400 years ago now. But it kind of catches uh, God's love. Mm. Take it away, Sasha. Love divine, all loves excelling. Joy of heaven to earth come down. Fix in us thy humble dwelling. All thy faithful mercies crown. Jesus, thou art all compassion. Pure, unbounded love thou art. Visit us with thy salvation. Enter every trembling heart. Breathe, O oh, breathe, thy loving spirit into every troubled breast. And let us all in thee inherit. Let us find the promised rest. Take away the love of sinning. Alpha and Omega be end of faith as its beginning. Set our hearts at liberty. Come, Almighty, to deliver. Let us all thy life receive. Suddenly return and never, never more thy temples leave. Thee we would be always blessing. Serve thee as thy hosts above. Pray and praise thee without ceasing. Glory in thy perfect love. Finish then thy new creation. True and spotless let us be. Let us see thy great salvation perfectly restored in thee. Changed from glory into glory. Till in heaven we take our place. Till we cast our crowns before thee. Lost in wonder, love and praise. I hope that speaks to you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, powerful. Jesus loves me. Jesus has great affection for me. He knows me by name. I am precious to him. He has forgiven all my faults and failures. He has written my name in his book of life. He has my picture on his fridge. God in Jesus Christ will not cannot stop loving me, cannot imagine not loving me. Gethsemane and Calvary demonstrated this amazing attitude of God. It implies that I can sleep while he's dying of depression. I can betray him, deny him, abandon him, torture him, reject him, abuse him, mock him, execute him. But none of these wicked actions diminish his love for me in the slightest. Wow. What, a, what an amazing, everlasting gospel. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. You know, there's one more sentence. When Jesus rose, there was no thought of revenge in him. His first words to his guilt-laden disciples were, peace be unto you. Yeah. And whatever the burden of your heart is, whatever the anxiety of your mind is, peace be unto you from Jesus. Mm. Mm. Amen. Let, let us pray together. Oh, dear God, you have rejoiced in sharing good news in every epoch of history and prehistory. We're so ashamed of the times when we have told bad news about you. Thank you for your forgiveness. Oh, teach us to eloquently proclaim your goodness and empower us to love the people we meet in our hearts as we make our journey through life. Thank you for Sasha and Warren in my life. I bless them in your name. Thank you that we can work together to tell how wonderful you are. Amen.
Thank you for joining us today on this journey to understand the God that Jesus knew. To enable you to share this with your friends, we've developed a website at www.rediscoveringgod.ca where all the podcasts are posted and you can also download a PDF document that gives you the passages that we've been looking at in each podcast that you can review, follow along, or share also with your friends. In addition to the website, you can reach us at rediscoveringgod20 at gmail.com if you have questions or just would like to share with us. We would be glad to hear from you. Thank you so much.